Welcome to the podcast of America This Week, courtesy of the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129. If you want to listen to more, subscribe to Sirius XM and tune in on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129. Welcome to America This Week, a smart Catholic take on faith and culture. I'm Father Patty Gilger, sitting in for Father Matt Malone this week. I'm a contributing editor here at America, and I'm joined by my very good friend, Father Eric Sandra. Yeah, and I'm filling in for Carrie Weber. And as we've said before, each week we offer news and analysis at the intersection of the church and the world gathered by the team here at America Magazine. Our third host today is our wonderful national correspondent, Michael O'Loughlin. Michael usually lives in Chicago, does live in Chicago still, but he joined us here live in the studio in New York this week. Yeah, it's good to be here. Welcome, Michael. Okay, we have an incredible story that we're going to turn to next. Um, This is about a project called Thrive for Life, run by a Jesuit here in New York City named Zach Zach Prasuti. And uh, Olga Segura, who joins us now. Welcome, Olga. I'm excited to be in the guest role for once. It's a first for me. <laughs> you have to be the expert now, so we're ready for everything oh, that boy. you're going to say. Oh, boy. I cannot wear that hat, but I will try. <laughs> so, Olga, you've written a really interesting piece about Zach's work with mm-hmm. Thrive for Life and his prison project there. Can you tell us a little bit about the, uh, what he's doing in the project and your story? Uh, sure. So, kind of to backtrack into how I got into the story a little bit. So, a few things happened around the time that I first met Zach and... Um, so this, I met Zach and we first spoke about Thrive for Life, um, I think probably a few months after he founded the Thrive for Life Prison Project in 2016. Um, but a few months before that, um, I have, in my family, we have our own experience with the uh, criminal justice system. I have a relative who was in the system as a teenager and who was released and then returned back to prison. Um, and that, that was something that had been on my mind for quite some time. So yeah. I was trying to figure out... Um, how to understand the effects that the prison system has on um, individuals, especially men and women of color. Um, and then, coincidentally, I met Zach and the wonderful work that he was doing at Thrive for Life. Um, and it's so he, he has this nonprofit organization that kind of provides um, the formerly incarcerated and people who are currently incarcerated with uh, spirituality and educational resources to kind of help them while they're in the system, but also transition back into regular life upon release. I'm really, really happy that you've done this piece. Um, We also have a really wonderful video that uh, you worked on and that another one of our editors, Jose Dueño, worked on to produce to show a little bit um, from the mouths of the people who are incarcerated um, what's going on in their work with this Thrive for Life prison project. I'm so glad that you're doing this kind of stuff because um, I moved to New York at the same time that Zach moved to New York. We lived in the same community together and watching him build this has just been one of the most edifying things I have ever seen in my life. Can you say a little bit about, in your conversations with him, where this desire came from in him and then what it's producing? So when he first, and I'm, I get into this a little bit in the article, but when he first entered the society, he um, he was his novice master, is that correct? It's, right. it's so hard to keep track of who, You've done so who's good. in charge so of good. the Jesuits. Um, but his novice master Jesuits sent him- Jesuits like it like that, they don't know anyone to know. <laughs> so he was sent to do some prison ministry. Um, so he had been doing that for a few years. He'd done that across the United States in California and Missouri before he started in New York. Um, but then he, he is- he had a cousin who was actually within the system and he went to visit him. I believe he was in upstate New York. Um, and he said that that was really the experience that changed him, wow. that changed him because it really put a face to see someone that he loved behind the system really 
pushed him further into the ministry that he had already started, yeah. um, feeling really passionate about. Can, uh, can you tell us a little bit about what are some of the challenges uh, people face when they're trying to transition from prison back into everyday life? Like, what are you hearing um, that this program helps them overcome? So I think one of the first things, especially talking with a lot of the people who um, Zach and Thrive have helped, one of the biggest issues that they face is that if you're a felon, that's the only thing that people see. So people are so unwilling to just see you as a human being. And that's one of the things that uh, Zach and Thrive emphasize, that you are not the worst thing that you have ever done. You are a human being just like every other person. Um, So that's the number one thing. Like it helps them kind of find their own humanity again in a world that doesn't necessarily often see them as regular citizens who have a right to the same things that we all do as free citizens. Um, Secondly, it helps them, it provides them with like um, back home backpacks. So it'll give them things like Metro cards, um, Mm. money that they'll be able to like get back on their feet. Um, And it helps them find jobs and also find housing, which a lot, that is often one of the things that lead people who have been in the system back into the cycle of crime because if they don't have this foundation upon release then they kind of just go back into the cycle that got them into the system in the first place in the in the article you talk a little bit about there's a couple quotes from a a number of people who have been through this that there's something about ignatian spirituality or the way the retreats were given that 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 triggered them to think differently about this project than other things they had seen in uh, in in prison what can you talk a little bit more what's going on there yeah so this was coming um from ito sanchez who um, i mentioned in the piece he had grown up catholic his whole life so catholicism was something that was very much a part of his family and his own identity. Um, But being introduced to this kind of spirituality through the Tharfa Life Prison Project made him realize that he, one of the things, and it's not included in the piece, but he said that a lot of the Catholics in his own family and Catholics that he had met inside and outside of the system were often very judgmental of his own life. Um, But being introduced to this kind of spirituality made him reflect on his own life choices and kind of reflect on other Catholics and made him... um, and the people around him just kind of less judgmental. And that was something that he really appreciated, that very Jesuit perspective that he got introduced to. Were there any of those practices inside the prison system um, that were really effective for him? And I guess part of what I'm trying to imagine, so that even though I've heard Zach tell some of these stories, and I really I love listening to him talk about some of this stuff when he does, but I don't know that I have a clear picture of what happens mm-hmm. when he or the volunteers who've joined him in the Thrive for Life Prison Project go into the prisons. What do they do with these men that's so effective? How is Ignatian pedagogy a part of that so basically they just gather in small groups so it's about he has the thrive for life project has about 25 volunteers and they lead they lead these retreats across six different facilities um in new york state new york city and new york state um and they just gather together and they are called to reflect upon their day they're called to think about something good that happened in their day um and they're also called they do the examine as well um which i you know i did it earlier this year it is not easy but a lot of them (laughs) say that it forces them to get into that self-reflection that is really really helpful and to do that in that kind of space it's just one of the again quoted in the piece and it he was in the video done by jose dueño he says that it creates this uh kind of safe space full of love where yeah. they can explore these things, you know? Yeah, you have, a, you have a line in the piece that I just thought was incredible from an inmate um, I believe is, who I believe is currently incarcerated named Felix Pinheiro, and he says, um, so often inside the prison system, we take our love and put it in a box. And um, it's hard to listen to. It's hard mm-hmm. to, to hear him, to really read that and hear wh- what this guy's heart is going through on a regular basis that he has to take the goodness that's inside of him and really bottle it up probably in order to be safe in the space that he's in and to have 
the idea that whatever programs he's involved with through Thrive for Life is helping to create a different space where he can take his love out of that mm-hmm. prison cell um, and give it away in some ways. It's an incredible thing. Rehumanizes. Yeah. And, and that's something that everyone that I've spoken to who has worked with Zach, um, that's the number one thing that they always mention, that the love that they're given through this program. They're like, forget about the resources, forget about the care packages. <laughs> it's the fact that we meet someone who loves us, yeah. who cares about us. And it's that's something like, again, back to my own experience, my relative, when he was in the system as a teenager, that was one of the things that was the hardest for him. He's like, no one thinks about you, no one cares about you. But Zach, with this program, he's showing these inmates, the peop- form- and people upon release that they matter, you know? Were you able to hear any stories from Zach about encounters that he had, or maybe from the, the men and women he's working with about encounters they've had with Zach that illustrate that? Uh, yeah, one of the, another part that he does with, uh, this is uh, with this, I, I can't remember if he does this with Thrive or if he does this because Zach does so much with prison ministry, but yeah. he also brings uh, teenagers to the prison system and like he gets them to interact uh, with inmates and he said that that's been one of the most positive things to see these kids who go to like Regis High School who are, most yeah. of them are white kids that's who right. have to like meet these men, these incarcerated men of color and like they're both able to just like on a completely human level <laughs> just talk to each other and like play sports and just kind of understand each other's perspectives so that's an encounter that um that he's mentioned that's been really really great i remember really vividly listening to zach in our rec room like over drinks right before dinner after mass talking about his plans for this and how he was trying to prepare these young men to come down and enter rikers and what this is and so we're all nervous and we're listening to him we're not sure how this is going to go and after the after the event he comes back and we're all like zach how was it? How was it? And he was so happy. Like he was so ha- he could not have been more happy. And he just told one little story that I want to relate a little bit about the kinds of encounters that that this ministry project makes available to people. He said that they, they went to play a basketball game together. So the basketball game went great. They're all hanging out afterwards. I think they're just drinking Cokes or whatever it is. And he said he overheard one conversation between um, a senior at Regis High School, our very prestigious high school on the Upper East Side here in New York, um, uh, between one of the young men who's graduating from there and one of the guys on Rikers Island. And the guy on Rikers Island says to him, so um, what are you doing next year? And the guy who's a Regis says to him, well, um, I've just been accepted to Yale. And so I think I'm going to say yes to that. I'm really excited. I'm thinking about studying that, blah, blah, blah. And the guy's really listening to him. Zach is telling us all the story. And then the, the kid is going to Yale, turns back and very nicely, like just says, um, yeah, so what are you doing next year? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, yeah, you know, um, well, I'm probably going to be moved out of Rikers and I'm going to head uptown to upstate to another one of these facilities. But I have another X number of years to go. And so look. Total different life trajectories mm-hmm. that these people are on. Not, not that they're not reconcilable. They can be reconciled. And the way we know they can be reconciled is because of this encounter that the two of them are happening right, right there. They don't have to be the same for this amazing moment of uh, yeah, mutual encounter and love to happen. Did you see anything else like that that you were noticing, maybe in the video that you were producing or anything like that? Yeah, I think um, going back to, you mentioned the video, um, There, I think one of the things that's really beautiful is seeing that in the video, you know, Uh, you see one of the retreats being led and I think it's at the Otisville Correctional Facility upstate and Felix Pinero who is the main guy that they're following in this video he's talking about how um, how he's grown and his life behind the system he's there I think he's doing like 20 years to life Um, and he you just see him like interacting with his fellow inmates but also with a lot of the volunteers that Zach brings in and one of them is Tracy Tynan who she's one of the co-founders of Thrive for Life and I talked to her a little bit for my piece as well and she just says that that for her, for someone who 
you know, she's a white woman who like was introduced to this world and she's like, you know, it opened up my eyes to seeing the reality of life behind the system. And it's something that probably would not have happened had she not had this encounter that Zach and Thrive allowed her to have, you know? Yeah, I wanted to ask a little bit about uh, Tracy Tynan, who uh, we learned about in your article. Mm-hmm. Um, she attends a Jesuit parish here in the city, and she says that after Pope Francis visited the United States uh, and visited a correctional facility, that she was inspired to do more. Uh, and you say that... Uh, uh, this woman uh, helps lead retreats through mm-hmm. Thrive for Life, uh, but she's a lay woman, right? She's mm-hmm. not a priest. So I'm wondering, can you tell us a little bit about how lay people are involved in this ministry? Yeah, so I think what happens is that Zach trains, um, because Zach is a Jesuit, so I, I like to say Jesuits are experts in Ignatian spirituality, but I think I'm also, I think after this article, I'm going to say that I am as well. Yes, um, you should say that. <laughs> so I think they're just trained, like he helps them lead these retreats. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, um, the layperson can just help them um, with a lot of the self-reflection that happens. And it's just a conversation that happens. A lot of it, like one of the people that I spoke with, um, Italo Sanchez, um, his experience with the retreat was that he sat down and they just asked him to recount everything that he remembered about his childhood. Um, and then that kind of forces him, that forced him to kind of rethink a lot of the choices that he had done in life. But it also showed him that these were people who were willing to listen to that. So I think that's a lot of what happens at these retreats. And, and I'm guessing... Um the kind of barrier that we have with clericalism sometimes in the church might not be as present um, because these are people who are there to listen and it doesn't matter if they're wearing a collar or not. Was that something you heard? Oh yeah, definitely. I think when I was talking to Idolo, he's like, the first time I saw uh, Brother Zach, he's like, I did not want to talk to him because he's this priest and I see him in this garb. And he's like, but after I met him, I realized that there was nothing to be nervous about because this was, he was this person who is so open and who actually cares about what he's doing. Zach is a fantastic listener. You're right about that. And one of the things that I think has been so amazing watching this ministry grow over the years is that he's been so intentional forming both the inmates that he's met inside each of these correctional facilities and forming the volunteers that he's worked with there. Did you in your conversations with Tracy or with anybody else get a sense of how being engaging in this ministry, learning to listen in this way is shaping her heart? Yeah, definitely. I think it's forcing a lot of them to, like I mentioned with Tracy, and even for the inmates themselves, it's forcing them, like you were saying with the Regis kids and the inmates at Rikers, it forces you to introduce yourself to a perspective that you might not have been familiar with before. And it's really challenging people to have whatever preconceived notions they might have had about about the system, you know? Even for myself, like, as I was writing this, um, listening to Zach say something like, people are not the worst thing that they have ever done that was challenging for me because i grew up i would often just assume that oh if you're in the system you belong there you did it you have to do the crime sure but after kind of delving into this kind of research and meeting people like zach people really aren't the worst thing that they've ever done you know and things like this initiatives like this really force us as christians to kind of think about these things more deeply yeah, I think I think that's a, a a great point. We we've been talking for a little while with Olga Segura. She's got a piece here um, um, on Thrive for Life and Zach Pursuti and the work he's doing in in the prison system. And the the quote you, you just used, you know, you're not defined by the worst thing you've done in your life. And he talks about the reason for the naming the project Thrive for Life is is the focus that people are born to thrive. And so that that's the the focus here is not about what are the mistakes you've made, but what can you be doing now in order to thrive, and, and in the situation you're in, in the reality um, where you're at. And I think that's such a crucial component about what's going on here. 
Eric, I think you're entirely right. And for me, that resonates with some deep parts of what Ignatian spirituality really has. Um, I'm thinking of the real dynamic of the first week of the spiritual exercises. So very quickly, spiritual exercises, the kind of foundation um, summation of what Ignatian spirituality is. It happens in four major movements. The first one, which I think you've just described really well, is all oriented towards knowing oneself as a loved sinner, as a loved sinner. Loved first. At least in English, at least in English translation, that's, I think that's such a crucial component. I, I even use that in mass sometimes when I'm talking, when I use the phrase sinner. In Ignatian spirituality, you're always going to hear someone say loved sinner. Yeah. You you can't analyze and look into the sinfulness, which we are all, we all have, which we are all sinners, with, with freedom and an ability to recognize it unless you are assured prior and uh, ahead of time that you are loved and that's the the that's i mean that's why we refer to the gospels as the good news <laughs> <laughs> not just like the random standard news that's this right. is the good news you've all screwed up massively and you're still loved and god jumps in and wants to be part of that so i think that's that's one of those insights in the way ignatius uh, structured the exercises and whether he wanted to retreat and to go in it there's a there's a note in the spiritual ex- this episode of the radio show is basically about Jesu- Jesuit spirituality. Now we've got Arupe explaining who that. Now we're going back to <laughs> the exercise. But there's a there's a, a note for the director. So a director is someone that's leading this uh, retreat. When we say the exercise is referring to a model of retreats uh, that St. Ignatius um, uh, was uh, wrote, put together in a, in a, in a, um, a setup. And he, he notes to the director, if the retreatant doesn't have a felt sense that they're loved by God, you can't go forward with the other movements of the retreat. You're going to have to spend whatever amount of time it takes to get that retreat and to recognize and understand that they are loved. That's the place you start from. Another way um, that this popped into my mind, really, Olga, just from listening to that last story you were telling about what the purpose of life is according to what Thrive for Life is really doing, um, it's this. It's that we can only see our sin after having known the depth of our love, but it's only in knowing how much someone loves us that we see the ways we've fallen short of that love. So for me, like, let me just be very concrete, right? I think about like my mom, like who loves me like so amazingly and how I genuinely do not live up to how good her love is for me. That's the dynamic that we're trying to model in the exercises. And I think it's really seen right here in what Thrive for Life is doing. Mm-hmm. Agreed, agreed. And I think like, again, I keep returning to this because it's something that every single person I met um, rep- just kind of kept echoing, like the love that they get from Zach. But, and like Eric was saying, like Italo mentions that not only does he love Zach, but he loves God. And no wow. matter, and he's like, look, I have issues. I am struggling. He's like, I'm not I'm not going to tell you that life. He was released, I think, 16 months ago. And he's like, I'm not going to tell you that life has been easy. I struggle every single day. But because I know that Brother Zach loves me, because I know that God got me, he's like, I can get through it. And just seeing that, I'm just like, wow, I cannot complain about anything. Just kind of seeing the examples that these like people have, you know. So last bit of Ignatian terminology from me today, I know there's been a lot, we apologize listeners, is the word- Do we apologize or are we just happy about it? Yeah, I'm, that's exactly, I was just <laughs> going to talk about happiness. I was just going to put it in the word of consolation though, because listening to you say that, Olga, right? Listening to you describe what Italo is going through, that's what consolation really is. Um, to see that there is something deep within us that is going to move us energetically towards joy. Remember, this is really like Pope Francis, again, like his first document about the joy of serving Christ in the church. 
And so I think that the last thing maybe that would be helpful to talk about about Thrive for Life is that it's really about not just um, you know, reconciling individuals to God, but about building communities. Uh, is there any way that you're seeing that community really emerge in and out of the prisons now? Oh, yeah. Um, again, every single person that I talk to, they're just like, I will do anything for Zach. I will do anything for Thrive. They go to masses. They Any events they do, like the AIDS walk, anything that this program requires of them, they do it. And it's not because they feel that they owe Zach anything. Good. It's because they're like, this is my community. Yeah. This is my the Catholic community that Thrive has created for me. And they always want to give back and return to that. That's right. Christian life emerges from generosity rather th- than from threat. So if you want to learn a little bit more about Thrive for Life and the work that uh, uh, Zach Prasuti and some of his colleagues are doing with the Thrive for Life Prison Project, you can find some of that on www.thriveforlife.org. And uh, Olga, I just want to say thank you for bringing such a consoling story here. I'm really grateful. No, thank you guys for having me. Wonderful to have you here. Um, This has been a really important set of conversations, I think, too. Um, These discussions that we've had today, guys, like about what the role of the church is, for me, it seems to really drive towards community. That this is not just something that we can do individually on our own, but it's really driving towards like a new vision of what community is. Yeah, for me, I always say covering the church, you have to um, realize that it's a human institution and that it can fail. And we talked about that in our first uh, segment. But also, it's a hugely inspiring institution that brings people together all around the world. And I think uh, Olga's story shows us just that. You know, I, I would encourage um, listeners, if, you, if you've been uh, uh, following with us, americamagazine.org forward slash serious, um, get a hold of the, the video, um, you know, if, if you want to yeah. see the visuals and get to, get to know some of these stories uh, that accompanies the piece that Olga wrote about Thrive for Life. I think that's a, a wonderful resource to check out and, and kind of get a, a feel. I, I, you know, going back to the exercise stuff, you always have to have a feel for it, and a video can be a very helpful way to do that. That's so. right. That's right. Yeah, this is one of the ways that media, even in our very divided world, can be a source of unity. Uh, can bring us closer to one another affectively as well as intellectually. But we hope that you've experienced both an affective uh, joining towards unity and community here today, listening with us as we have some of these conversations and an intellectual one that we've stimulated and provoked a few thoughts within each of you. I want to say thank you here for joining us on Sirius uh, 129XM, the Catholic channel. This has been America This Week. For Father Eric Sundrup and Michael O'Loughlin, my name is Father Patty Gilger. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you for listening to the podcast of America This Week, courtesy of the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129. If you want to listen to more, subscribe to Sirius XM and tune in on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129.